Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thanks for choosing us. This week, I'm here to share with you my conversation with pirate radio legend, Slimzy. I was going to school selling sweets to buy records, <laughs> like chocolates and stuff. Like I would sell a pack of blue ribbons and some hobnob sweets and then go and buy a record off my mate for £3. Like hardcore tune, like he was nicking off his brother. That's how I started DJing, I mean, both by school, like East London. Slimzy is co-founder of legendary UK radio station Rinse FM, which started broadcasting in 1994 and remains highly influential to this day. He was also part of the UK garage group Pay As You Go Cartel, alongside peers like Wiley, DJ Target, Flo Dan and many other big names. His label, Slim Zoss Recordings, has been home to many grime and bass hits. And in recent years, Slimzy has been collaborating with fellow producer Asif Kid under their E3 Breaks alias, mixing elements of grime and breaks together. As you're about to hear, this conversation covers the art of DJing for MCs, specifics of the Rinse FM compressor, and the importance of documenting your culture. Slimzy also opens up about his mental health journey towards the end of our chat and there's some very important messages in there so stick around for that and I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Slimzy on RA's Exchange. Welcome, um, so we're going to hear about your journey so far today um, but if you're up for it, I would love to, for you to kind of take us all the way back and share an early memory that you have that's either connected to sound or music. Uh, I could say when I was 12 years old, I heard a tune called Asen. It was a hardcore tune and that's really what got me into the music like from an early age. Like that was Trip to the Moon. Like, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was uh, 1992. I was really like young lad. Yeah, that's that when I heard that that's that got me like involved in underground music. Mm. And how did you know that you wanted to like be part of the scene rather than just be like a listener? Uh at first when I heard that it's just you know, like it opened me up sort of thing. Like I was just, I was in school at the time and then like hardcore was about and then like I wanted to like go on a pirate radio station and stuff and yeah, like I just wanted to get into the music scene, like you know, just try and go to some raves. While I was only young, but I was just trying to do what I could, sort of thing. So I started buying loads of records. And then when you started your career, like actually becoming a DJ and stuff, um, how soon was radio a part of your work? Yeah, um, but I basically wanted, you know, wanted to be one of the best DJs. Like you know, I was trying so hard, buying loads of dub plates records I got on Pressure FM in 94 that was like the, the first ever pirate right you know what I got on and I just was buying so many dubs like records it was so good like that buzz like to actually go to a studio and like just you know like I can't explain it the buzz was just mm. it's too much like it's, uh, every time I go past there I always sit it's right in three flats in both so Pressure FM big up Jamie B on uh and all the pressure crew. 
wicked um so how did you get involved in like helping out and setting up aerials and how did you know and get that knowledge of what to do and how it all worked at first like i was actually got on the station and like fight like i think they said to me do you want to come up and well they needed some people to carry some poles up and stuff so you know i carried some poles up with uh pressure and i just got into it like i really liked like like doing it like it was it's something like because what it is like where you like you you're, like you're on a chase like because from the dti and stuff it's like and then you ain't really supposed to do it are you but it's like a legal sort of thing but it's it i don't know so i don't know how can't explain it. it's just it's, yeah it's, it's just mad like um yeah so yeah sorry my mind's thinking about all them old times <laughs> um so you was observing yeah, the yeah. First I, was, stage I was learning things every day so uh, obviously i really wanted to do it so badly and like i was i also go around and just looking at aerials and stuff and yeah like i got right into it right into it so really just looking at like you know it's like just talking to people you know about aerials and stuff and coax and do you know what I mean? It's just, it was all part of the music, so, like, it, it come with it. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I feel like from the outside, some people might find that, like, super technical. Mm. But would you say that when you was growing up, you was always curious about, like, how things worked and how things were made? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, like, even sand as well, because I also like, like, how, you know, com- like, compressors are worked and stuff like that. Because, yeah. you know, like, some stations used to transmit and it wasn't sounding good. And then you think, why is that? And then all the aerials were making noises and stuff like all humming noises and yeah you you learn it over the like you learn it over the years but you're doing it so it's all like part of the process i like how you learn from just like watching and observing because there's no school you can go to to learn that is there no 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 it's got it's just like like who you're in with like basically like, you know pirate radio like using with a manager and that and in with some people like it's it's, a, it's like a day-to-day thing it ain't just like once a week or once a month it's like every day you'd be on the roof and like it's just part of your life it's like going gym do you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's just like it's a part of an everyday thing you have to do like it's just like it's a it's like having a child or something basically yeah, you know I mean? you're responsible you've got to maintain yeah. it well it sounds like you know like friendship and is a big part of that as well because it's not like a formal thing like you guys were just coming together to create mm. this platform yeah like there was so much different things like you know like you had to set the decks up then you had to like set bound one area up and then go to the roof and midpoints and stuff and transmitters it's, yeah it's, it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot like you know what i mean that's a lot of things you have to take in and obviously as well like it was costing money as well so you know i mean it's a lot of money but you learn you know what i mean every day that like, there's, there's always something going on someone either trying to nick rigs or cut you off so like it's a lot you've got to, it's mad you've got to learn you know what i mean it's just, it's like a little process sort of thing yeah a lot of responsibility a lot of commitment mm. but you know those stations come on air and that set this amazing blueprint so that mm. nowadays people just get to like me just get to go on my internet radio station mm. and have a chill time mm. and, and not worry about any of that um but you would have got into some scrapes i'm sure and i'm sure our listeners would want to hear any stories that you want to share of some scrapes <laughs> there's been loads hanging over roofs um another time i mean naturalist was on the roof 
some uh, who's it? Some I can't remember. These people were just trying to uh, shutting up, and then um, they was like forcing their way up through the hatch, like proper pushing it. And we were standing on top of it, and we was trying to hold it. Dad never thought it was going to first over the building, like, but basically, I think someone was transmitting from the next block over there frequency and they've come up because they've seen us on roof somehow i don't know how they've seen us we went down there and started talking to him and they went oh you're we explained it weren't us it must have been the roof next door and then that was really scary because mm. there was loads of people and dogs and stuff yeah it's mad this was back in 90 yeah 97 96 97 so what music was, was that was like then? garage i sent up for my mate like colin he had a station called influence this was back then, so um, yeah, it was on three flats as well. It was on the middle three flat, Mallard, Mallard Point, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> can remember all them times. And it, I think it, it was actually Pressure Pressure FM who was sprogging on their dial. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, transmitting like <laughs> and scrapes with the council. Yeah, um, they yeah they've been a they've always trying to get you off do you know what I mean like they've set cameras up over the years and only later down the line is when they changed the locks and setting little you like screw sized cameras everywhere like mad stuff like like to get you off do you know what I mean we used to climb up outside the block and like you know I mean yeah outside things and there's so many different ways like of getting up there and what they try to block you they try to put um, like you know, um, like as you open the hatch, like alarms and stuff, so it'll go straight to them d- downstairs or the police, and yeah, it's just it's got like obviously like, like you know you, you find out these things as you're learning, and you've got to try and beat them. So <laughs> it's just like it's loads of stuff they've done. It's got it's got to get around it. Yeah, and um, I know this famous story of yours when what was it? They wouldn't let you go above the oh. what floor. Yeah, um, that was the Asbo thing, innit? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was in a whopping that that block called Shearsmith House, and um, you know, um, Dad like one obviously like <laughs> Dad a light switch because it was it's all like yeah, it's, um, it's all like metal boxes up there and it's cold up there and all pipes and all water tanks and then. I've someone told me there's cameras up there, like, and they're trying to take you off. They want to make an example of you keep getting up there with, and putting it on every week and every day, like that fell. So basically, we was just looking around, and I sort of I can't believe how I found it. But yeah, it was in a light. It was like an, in a little light switch. It was a little screw. There's three screws, and there was a little see-through one. And it was a you know it was a camera. So I'd stuck a bit of tape over it so you couldn't see it. So once that was there. They couldn't really see nothing really, but I think, yeah. So you basically you had to. That was inside though. Do you know what I mean? So we had where you get the electric from and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, yeah. So we used to climb out and then put the L's up and then go in and just plug it on and quickly leave. But they caught you one time. Uh oh yeah sorry yeah, <laughs> uh they they uh they, what it was they must have pulled out the electric, and they um. I went there, turned it on, like put it back in the plug, and then they thought what it is. They must have followed me, like back to my house, like or whatever I was doing. So 
you know, like, um, so basically, when they pull the electric, like the, the plug out, and then like they, they wait for you downstairs, they they know who you are. They, you know what I mean, they see pictures and stuff. So they follow you back for a few months, like see where the studio is, follow you around, like proper main mad stuff, like. And then um, yeah, so they basically um, yeah, they got all the evidence of me. Like when we was in Cable Street the studio, and you know. They, there was cameras in bottle banks and mad stuff because when they showed me the pictures when I was in the cell like and in the police station, they were showing me mad stuff like I don't know how they got the pictures like outside my house right near the window and stuff. And then yeah, they just you know they they went to make an example of me basically, and they said you know what we're going to give you an asbo. So it went to court. I think I had to pay something like five hundred pound fine, and a community. It wasn't community service. It's like. Something where I, I, I couldn't go above four to five floors of um any block anywhere. It could be anything. What, whole of London? Yeah, like, couldn't go, like, above... If you had, like, an uncle who lived somewhere out like, in Kent, like, on a... Well, you know, like, in London, like, you couldn't go above, no four floors. So, like, if I ever got caught, you got... My, I would have went straight to jail, basically. I don't know how long for, but... This was back in, like... 2000 saying can't remember what was it is this rinse years yeah okay rinse yeah okay well that's a very unique punishment yeah it's mad like they just, basically that like, they just want uh, they've they've had enough for all these years because stations go on roofs and make noise throw things over make it all dirty break the lifts like they're not really respected up there like some stations you know what I mean like but people who's actually been on these blocks for years like you know, we used to go up there and like clean up and stuff and do you know what I mean? Like just look after the block because you, you're going to be there for like ages and you know, like all through years and stuff. And even if you move, like you're just going to be like around and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And all of this was just to get the music on air. Yeah. Like so many things. Yeah. Mad. And you was finding time to do DJing as well. We was on every night like DJing, like I think most nights. And then, you know, at first, we was used to come on um, every weekend, like Friday to Sunday night. And then, so Friday, you put the transmitter in about six, and the first DJ will be on about seven. So it's either you do the first set, set all the levels up and stuff, and then make sure it's all sounding good for the weekend, and, you know, like all the compressors and stuff, and all the link stuff to the roof and if you had a new studio yeah it'd give you time to set up for the first dj and turn off sunday one o'clock in the morning mm. and then that's the weekends then after it went 24 hours a day yeah and so all these settings and tweaking the compressors and the levels is this all stuff that you all just kind of learnt yeah, out yeah. of um you know trial and error so yeah. i feel like rinse's compression was quite famous on the dial like you could tell that yeah, he landed no. on rinse without even looking at what frequency he was on. Yeah. Like, for years, like, we was trying to um, find... Because there was one station called Core FM. Like, they're from... Yeah, they're from Hackney. But, um, they were sounding... Like, you know, ever since I was... Before rinse started, like... I always used to listen to them, and they were sounding so good. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, there was something... It was special. And I kept used to saying to them, what is it? And they just used to, like, keep saying, oh, it's a link box, link box, you know, like, 
uh, it was never sounding like that. And then one day I found out what it was. It was a an Ultimizer DP140 Behringer, something like that. And then basically it was like a compressor, but it was like a rack, like like a rack. And then you know, like like an Ultimizer Behringer, Ultimizer. That's it. And then um, you just used to set it. I used to sell it up, sort of thing, with all the hardcore music jungle, because it used to sound sick on it. And then yeah, we stuck it in, and then that that was a secret. Uh, that was the main. If you're coming out really good, then you would get the listeners would think, "Wow, that sounds so good." It would actually make make people go and buy tunes and stuff. When something sounds really good, you know, people think, "Well, I would." And definitely other people think, "Oh, you know what? I've got to be sounding like that, and that tune sounds good." And so I, you know what I mean? So yeah, we was uh, we had that for years. Mm. So that was good. Mm. So radio is still very much a part of your career and your life today. Um, so what do you play now? What's your favourite to play? Uh, well, I, I play, you know, I'm getting tunes every day from people right around the world and stuff. Like, I play like 140 gram and dubstep, but it's like merged together, sort of, or hoping, it, yeah, you know, like um, hybrid sort of 140. So, you know, like breaks, gram, trap, dubstep. Some of the stuff, like, it's just different to how you know, the dubstep was different to how it was before, like, years ago, and it all goes together, it's like a mix, you know what I mean, like, like it's just all 140, so yeah, it's, just, it's really good, and especially, like, my favourite festival, Outlook Festival, so yeah, like, that's a really big, big thing, like, because, you know, you want to get tuned for that and stuff, and some other festivals around the world. Yeah, so that's interesting that you say everything kind of fits together now, because, mm. um, am I right in thinking, like, at the start of your career it was very mm. much you moved with the genre and, yeah. and it wasn't so much like you play a bit of this bit of that mm. yeah because back then it was you know a hardcore jungle then going into like you know a bit later down the line like it was going a bit like dmb then started on garage or then it start, started playing some darker stuff like slow down drum and bass and then with garage so then it sort of turned into grime and well there's a lot of people you know, making tunes and stuff and DJing. Yeah, it just, it just went up, down that route. Mm. Like, went into grime and then, yeah, just all of it been ever since. Been good. And with the audience, do you find them kind of, like, more open to hearing all of that now rather yeah. than just they only want to hear one sound? Well, it's all different. Like, it all depends. Like, if you're doing, sh like, a show of MCs, like, they have to play some of, like, MC sort of tunes, like, for, for them to evoke, um, to spit over. But, um, the first, yeah, I'd normally do two hours. So the first hour, I'll play, like, all new stuff anyway. Like, you know, like, new breaks, new dubstep, new grime. Like, just stuff for listeners. And then second hour, do it with the MC. So, do you know what I mean? Play more trappy stuff for them. And, yeah, just, just got to mix it up and know how to work with the MCs, basically. Mm. Yeah, let's talk more about that, working with the MCs. Mm. Because um, you're collaborating and it's like a live performance in mm. a way. Yeah. What have you learned as like your top tips for a DJ who is running tracks for an MC? You have to, well, basically you have to like mix kind of quick, chop loads of bit of chopping and stuff, and just switching and stuff, and fast mixing, and like you've got to play the right tunes like for the MC. Like some tunes might be too mad or a bit noisy, so you can't play too certain mad tunes, but you know, it, it's all about the raves, really. When you in a rave, it's that, like them tunes, like this 140 bass music is really, festival music is really good. 
So it's all about the like the the tunes need really good mix dance, you know what I mean? Like they need really good mixes, um so that you know, like we would mix them down, like even I make tunes with a few people and we would mix them down around Boylan's ass, couple of eight hour sessions on one track and then yeah, get it all lined up and then go yeah, go to the rave that weekend and then start playing all the tunes we've made and or what we've got. Maybe we could go back and talk about your involvement in the grime scene in like the earlier days because you know the genre has celebrated many milestones um even recently mm. uh so was you working mostly as a dj as a curator or was you doing what, some production what year, as like, well what, what, at the beginning in the mean, beginning basically when rinse started you know like i was we was on like 24 hours going my show was every sunday three to five it was like pay as you go so it's a me god's gift wiley major ace r.i.p and like uh, Genius, uh, Maxwell D and Target. So there's a few MCs and then, you know, we started working with Dizzy Rascal. So you know, memories opening up in my mind. I've got so many like this. Just like thinking about the old studio um, in Poplar when we had the Trias. That was the last time sort of see everyone together. Like I ain't seen, well, I've seen the build. But yeah, just got loads of memories from them times. And how was it adjusting to like things growing and more attention coming you, you guys way because you obviously started in a small room doing radio mm. and it was very intimate and then the demand was there and it's all growing what was that like it was really good because like you know obviously i was trying to play new stuff like i always wanted to play tunes what no one had like like 138 that tune remember 138 that like my mate of like my mate um it was it rips like um he had it on a he was a junk jungle uh drum and bass dj and he, he said look Look at this tune. You could play this um, with your music, and I thought I played it, and it was like really good. Sync made it in like you know he just put it on. I don't know what he done. It was on a free track, drum and bass um, EP or something we put on record, and then I sort of play. I got it, and I was sort of playing it, you know, with sort of garagey grime before it's called grime. But then it yeah, started playing it, and I think I was playing it for about a year, sort of thing in and out of my sets people like you know like listeners wanted it that you have to go oh what's this tune let's go to the record shop ribbon division and stuff and do you know I mean people will listen to more stuff if you've got like exclusive stuff like tunes and stuff and that's what makes really a good DJ and like obviously you've got to be quite good at mixing so that helps out DJs as well but um yeah um I was playing that for a few you know maybe a year and a half and then I think it come out after about two years and then yeah, it was like a big thing on the underground. Like, I've yeah, like they brought it out, sort of thing on a major. I think Sarah, no Sarah, I think she bought it from Temper, but I think it came out on Bingo. Yeah, Bingo. Yeah, Zinc's tune, and then there was another tune I got myself together. I had that for ages, playing that. It's on White Label, bought it from Black Market Records, playing that for a few years, and yeah, like, yeah, like the. I got to know the geezer who made it, Don Perry, and then uh, the geezer who owned the label called Steve. He sort of got in touch with me and said, oh, oh, you've, I've been hearing loads of people asking about this tune. Like, oh, I want to bring it out. And I was like an A&R man in a way, like with Rhythm Division as well. So I could like help people out with tunes and stuff and ask what's good to buy for the shop, what's going to sell good, or do you know what I mean? Like, Rhythm would work with me. And I said, look, you know what? Take 200 of them. 
hundred of them, like I mean, just just and even help out with them. So yeah, it was a major thing, like playing new stuff, like even dub plates, like it was dub plates then, yeah. Mm, and the context of mixing it all together and having MCs as well. Was... Yeah, it's really good, you know, working with the MCs and like you know, um, but even with some of the darker tunes and then yeah, like slow down, drum and bass. I was put on thirty three tempo on the technique deck, mix it with like a garagey grime well not grime but you know breakbeaty tune and at the like in two thousand and then yeah just keep doing it and keep doing it and it just all it, like you know there was a lot of other djs doing it like like in the sound of it as well and it just turned into like a new sort of genre mm. and looking back you know because this is such a a key moment in like mm. British music history in the recent years mm. and I'm sure a lot of people always ask you oh, what was it like what was it like um but you have this amazing archive of of the rinse shows like stretching back mm. um how important is that to you to sort of have that archive and that reference oh, I, I, I'm really happy like you know I'd you don't realize what you've got when you're actually doing it back then do you know what I mean like you just it goes so quick and like it just happens so fast like you don't realize what can happen over you know over a few years and yeah like hopefully we sort of formed like you know like a new music and done really like started like a new genre and genre and that's yeah it's really good like you know mcs djs all on the rinse and all the fans and that like it's really good that to, to see that you've actually done like you've done something good with yourself mm, and beyond just the audio archive um do you have your own sort of like personal archive of like photos and just things like videos and stuff like that i saw on your youtube actually you've got like a little video of oh what the one on the roof yeah yeah that was um that was you know what i think that was 2004 so yeah that was a bit later but that was still quite early like you know not early but yeah that was 2004 that was on the Waffin block where i got Dasbo from and um yeah we got it by DTI basically they went up there cut all chopped all the cables and then yeah that was like when the Gerda days like you know the keys were called Gerda then there's like a long German key like key and there's like little holes cut out on the top and then you know that's like that's from when he first started getting on top with the security like when that come out that was that was a major thing so you know you had to get the white keys and that and that's another part of the pirate radio. Like, there's so much stuff they're trying to just not get you up there, basically. Yeah. But yeah. But you have your own sort of videos and photos. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've I've got a video camera. Um, it's got loads of footage on it. Um, all I needed was a charger, basically. I bought a charger like about three weeks ago, and uh, it ain't that. So, you know, yeah, I put I plugged it in. I've got about eight tapes. And then it did sort of work for about 20 minutes, but it was something wrong with it. And then, yeah, it's, I'm going to get them converted. So hopefully we can see some good footage of, you know, I've got like footage of an old Sidewinder. I was actually going to Sidewinder in like a little mini bus with, you know, like me, Wiley G, like there was a few other people, Maxwell and God's Gift. So you could actually see what was going on. Like, you know, just just, just see what he was talking about and stuff and, turn up outside the rave and in the rave I've seen it like some of the things and then especially the roof so I'm trying to like um, I've got someone who can do it for me I've got a 
go down and do it basically. It's gonna take, you know, about a day off this recording. But um there's some there's definitely loads of footage on here from Pirate Radio, like, you know, on free flats and stuff and climbing up and stuff. Just try and there's other stuff I'm trying to think. Even studios, you know what I mean? Like setting up little bow one aerials and yeah, like there's, there's there's tons of footage on here. I think there's over hopefully three hours of footage, four hours, so be good. Mm, I'm sure yeah. people would be really curious to to see that, and I bet you're glad to have that as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying when you when I took them at the time, like you know, just filming stuff. Mm. Don't didn't realize you one day like it could be quite quite good because that one what what you see with me on the roof that was in a grime museum, wasn't it? Uh, I think that they used that. Yeah. And um, Troy uh, A plus, the one who filmed it, um, Media Gang. He, I told him to put it up on YouTube and he put it up, I think, about five years ago. And then, yeah, that was quite good. That was just like, you know, going up in the lift and you see me on the 26th floor, then I jumped up, then got it. Yeah, it's just, that was basically what it was like. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You could see, like, how high it was. It's high, weren't it? So, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, no, it's interesting what you're saying about, like, you know, at the time you don't know, mm. but it's so worth having those things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, For any, like, young people today who are, like, cultivating their own little scenes, what mm. would your message be about documenting your own scene? Yeah, just, like, you know, just take things slow, like, you know, just don't rush into things. Uh, like, you know, it's, it's hard because now the pirates are off the FM now, isn't it? We're still on, but it's there's no pirates left like it's all digital now it's all like internet based and stuff and it's very hard for stations really like there's so many stations starting up and starting and not starting yeah it's very hard but um just like you know just just got to keep going on with it and one day things you know everything does happen like so like it will you will have your time one day just so much as how you go about it yeah absolutely Let's talk about labels as well, because you've been this sort of curator figure for your whole career, but you've mm. got your own label. What, Slims of Recordings, yeah. How have you seen the role of a record label change over just your career? Because it's kind of different now. Yeah. Um, back then, it was like, you know, like some of the like um, esky sort of sounding stuff what we was putting out at the beginning, like some Agent X stuff and, you know, like, um, like that clonk noise, like you know, there's a that Wiley sort of made like back in two thousand, like two thousand one, like when he was making them first tunes for them. Yeah, so what was it called? That thing it was PRS kits. It's like a even on a Triton as well, like the keyboard. What we had back in the day, like they were the first sort of grime sounds, like all them little little noises, like you know, all the old grime stuff. There's some people really like like states they listen to that every day make that sort of stuff some people have actually gone forward with the times and changed up but like, you know like there's always people still make all the first stuff but yeah it's, it's, it's just changed a lot you know you just have to play a bit of both like you know what i mean just, just mix it up and then um just try and find the next sort of producers and stuff and like, all you know i talk to from people around the world like books and Black art and stuff, and even stuff stuff in Russia. Like you know, I've been out there twice, and like Moscow Legend and Odd Cut and stuff. Like I've been working with these since two thousand sixteen. Like 
and there's some other people like Trends, Boylan, Ghana, do you know what I mean? As of kid as well, E3 breaks, yeah, there's ton there's just gotta go with the times and try and be the next make the next big big thing uh it did back in two thousand when we first done like the scene and that. Mm, and what do you think of like because you know sometimes people say oh labels aren't really like a necessary part of the music process anymore how do you feel about that is it still about the community behind the label yeah well basically you know when we was putting out vinyls and stuff like um back then you could like i could say freddie can i have six uh two thousand white labels or or thousand white labels whatever i wanted you know and i could get done within two days but now like there's a big wait now. Like, yeah, so you have to wait like six, four, four to six months or even longer. All depends who you're going with. And there's a big demand. You know, like, I mean, like, uh, people, there's loads of like dubstep people making um, tunes and vinyl and stuff, waiting on like their copies and stuff. So, yeah, there's, it ain't, and it's dearer now as well. Like, it's over a thousand pounds, like, for 300 vinyl. And so you got to pay for mastering and. It's a long wait, it's a long process, but we do like dub plates now, if you've seen them. So yeah, we can get them on a quick turnaround and try and get them out there, try and push the music a bit more. So yeah, like it's, it's hard, like, you know what I mean? Like with all the vinyl, it, you know, vinyl does keep it alive. Like, like for, you know, like it's just, it's all just pushing it forward, like having the band camp and stuff with all your new tunes and like, you know, just doing release EPs and stuff every month every other month or every it's got to keep on it but yeah and you mentioned e3 breaks let's hear a bit more about that as a project and what oh, you yeah. like um, about the sort of collaboration side basically like in 2016 uh, well i met as if kidding he sent me a, a tune in 2014 basically and um that was when i sort of come back around again after all you know because i had some issues before but um 2014 is when I first come back and I went on NTS and then um, I sort of was getting emails from people and stuff and and I got an email for someone I thought you know he sent me a tune and he was in America at the time but he's from Swindon and I thought yeah, it's alright you know like just help try and help people out play tunes and you know just trying to get involved with some producers and stuff and he sent me a tune I thought yeah, this tune's alright he's only young like he said oh yeah I'm, I just like left school 17 18 and then i thought yeah this tune's decent and i sort of sort of planned it for a little while then we sort of met met a rave like you know i think it was fabric and then yeah we started making tunes and in 2016 that's when we sort of me and him sort of performed e3 breaks you know like and then we was making like grime with breaks in it so it's like even if it yeah so it's just went down that route sort of thing and started doing that so that's going really well now like you know it's, it's like good for 140 and all the music will scan all this bass music scan together so it's you know it just goes back around in cycles every 10 years like it's mad isn't it like it's just but yeah we've been doing that for since 2016 and it's 2022 nearly 23 it's been going really well like you know we do tunes over zoom we do tunes in the studio yeah we we sort of like you know, like, I'm influenced with jungle and hardcore a lot. So most of the stuff, I think back, you know what, listen to that. That break's sick. Like, you know, take up them breaks and samples. And, yeah, so 
you know, I'm very hearing it's on the past of when I first started. So, and with his knowledge, and he's like, you know, he, he he's a wizard on the old computer. So we we go really good together. So it's, it's like, you know, it's really good. So we, it's like a good duo. Oh, I love hearing about that. And also nice for you to sort of pop back up into the scene and do things in a different way and combine yeah, yeah, elements. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Um, did you feel nervous coming back? Wait, 2014. Do you know what it was like? Uh, you know, when I after I had Asbo, like I sort of had a lot going on, basically. <laughs> like, like you know, it weren't really the roof and stuff, but I had like a busy lifestyle with DJing every week. You know, three times a weekend, and it's mad. Like you know, like it was, it's, I had like a mental breakdown to tell the truth, and like yeah, like you don't think of it at the time when it happens. Yeah, like you just break that, like. You, you, when it happens to you, you don't realise, like, you think, oh, no, this is weird, thanks, not right here. And then, you know, like, yeah, like, it took really ages to find out what it was. And, like, you know I mean, I didn't want to take medication and stuff. And, like, yeah, like, it's, it's the worstest thing. And then I remember playing at a rave, like, Sidewilder in Swindon. It was me and Carnage on the decks. And then I think I, it happened on the Friday and it was on the Saturday I played at that rave. And then... Yeah, like, I remember, I can remember it, like, I just didn't want to go on there, I just wanted to get home and just lay down, like, it's, it's like overtaking your life, basically, like, but yeah, like, you know, I finally got on some medication, it, it was the wrong one at first, but, yeah, like, you know, like, um, after well, I sorted it out, I knew what it was, then, yeah, it was good, like, you know, I did, didn't want to DJ for years and took me, on, took me off it, I would never stop, because music is my my main things basically I don't take drugs don't smoke don't drink you know back then I did smoke like cigarettes I was on 60 a day but you know stress all the roof and stuff and rigging up and people nicking rigs like but yeah I've stopped smoking cigarettes for about the last 16 years now and then yeah don't drink don't do nothing just straight up it's music every day 24-7 really even in the, like you know in the car like indoors three in the morning <laughs> Just listening to like new sort of producers and stuff, like keep talking to them around the world, keeping on the ball, like do you know what I mean I, my mind never stops really, like it's just one of them ones. It's just mad. Mm, definitely a good decision to take a pause though, because it's kind of difficult when you love music and yeah. it's also your job. Mm. Uh, to tell the truth, that's so good, like that feeling like you know what music can actually do to you like it's, it takes you places you know what i mean it's just other people get it as well but um especially when hardcore come around in 92 that that mood that all them simpson like them noises what goldie was using and like it's just it was like industrial sounds like it was mad like when i used to go fishing like you could hear it and then ah oh, even like setting up pirate radio was give you buzzes and stuff like, it was the actual thing of doing it. it. Like, when you're doing it and loving it and you're doing it, like, learning every day and actually, yeah. Yeah, it's very, so much memories, I could say. Yeah, really special. Um, Well, let's move towards the end of our chat. And I just want to hear about clubs because, you know, you've played in a lot of clubs. Yeah. And our venues are facing quite tough times economically. So I'd love to just big up some of your favourites really um, so what are some of your favourite clubs to play well, cities the first, venues the one what I liked was you know I, I ain't there no more basically Sidewinder it was called um, Sanctuary like it got shut down because 
I think they built MK Don's football ground on it, but um, that was like a big part of the grime scene back in 2002 onwards. That was like massive. It wasn't a club, it was like a warehouse. But um, then further down the line, like, you know, like Fabric, uh, even XOY was good. Um, my personal one I did like in London was um, Coliseum back in the garage days when McMahon Promotions used to do raves and Pajgo first started. That, like, I remember seeing EZ on the decks and he was playing, um, what tune was it? Uh, I can't remember at the time. It was like, might have been some underground. Oh, well, was it? Yeah, it's like a horns tune. And like, it was a white label because I had it. And it, to hear how loud and bass was going through my chest, it was unbelievable. That was definitely one of the best clubs. And uh, you can never get that feeling. Because most clubs now, you, it's not, it's loud, but it's nothing like you really, it's the main thing is the quality and loud of the music. That's what it's lacking, do you know what I mean? Like, that's why people go to Outlook Festival, because there's no limits. You can hear the loudest tunes, and it, go, it goes through you. So that, it's all about like good sound systems and stuff like that. Um, what other clubs now? Whereabouts like? was Coliseum? Coliseum was in uh, mm, Foxhall. Yeah. It was so, you know, I ain't been there. I've only been there back then, but it's, it shut down about three years ago, but... Yeah, it was a really good club, like, you know, like Martin Lana and uh, Matt Mahon Promotions, all them used to do raves, they're called Liberty and some other raves, like Garage, just before Graham and, yeah, like Master Steps and them sort of days, like with Melody and that, and he said, yeah, they were wicked days. And current favourites, Outlook Festival and Fabric, is that right? Yeah, no, there's there's a few, right, there's, you know, I can't, trying to think, you know, what other sort of clubs is there, like, there's a... Uh, you know, like, every year we look forward to going, like, abroad and stuff, like, you know, because it's like a midpoint, like, basically, like, you meet all people from around the world, Russia, like, America, Toronto, like, it's, it's every really big capital you could actually meet people from, and you meet fans as well there, and, like, they give you, like, USBs and stuff and CDs, and, and like, it's <coughs> it's good to feel appreciated, like, you know what I mean, Cause your music's actually getting to them, like, through the internet, and you don't realise... How I mean, like when you're getting DMs from like people in Australia, like Death Trap, and there's some other, there's there's tons of people. Do you know what I mean? There's people in like in um, uh, New Zealand where he's from. No Killjoy, he made the Hellcat tune. Uh, yeah, if you've heard that one, that that was a really big tune. Like we stuck on Duplate about six months ago, but you know we keep on talking like every couple of days. You got to be consistent, so you know just got to be talking to the promoters and then, talk, you know, I mean, producers and then raves and stuff. But, yeah. Mm. And uh, looking back at your career and sort of thinking about, you know, advice for people who are starting out, consistency seems to be something. Yeah. You know, it's hard, like, um, yeah, for for the young people out there, like, um, if you're using decks, basically, it's all CD decks now, isn't it? So just, just keep learning, do you know what I mean? Even... I, I would like to help people like you know what I mean I would like to do like a little course where I could help sort of DJs like young people like I've talked about this before with a few people but um, it's all about the younger generation isn't it really like because I can remember being young myself and DJing and buying tunes and I was going to school selling sweets to buy records <laughs> like chocolates and stuff like I would sell a pack of blue ribbons and some hobnob sweets and then go and buy a record off my mate for three pounds 
like hardcore tune, like he was nicking off his brother. So like, yeah, like that's how I started DJing. You know I mean, both by school, like East London, and that's the same school that Wiley went to as well. He's a year younger than me. Beautiful. Well, I would love to go to DJ Slimsy's DJ school. <laughs> yeah, love to good. see that. What do you think about um, you know? Because obviously there's more internet stations now, and that's mm. much more accessible for people to get onto. But also, pirate radio is like part of the culture. Now, oh yeah, it's, and it's referenced, you know, in films. Yeah, I can't believe that. You know, like no, there's, there was other stations like even before, like we done rinse and like. Even then, I was helping out with stations before that. So, you know, 92, sort of, in the 93, like, I, you know, I can remember sort of going on roots and didn't really understand and looking, getting worried, looking over and, like, the amount of things what people used to show me, like squats and stuff, like, people would get Nick Powell from downstairs on, like, the lamppost, like, run a big, long cable down and getting electric. That's how to run a transmitter. There's all different ways of doing stuff like I mean there were some really good people who knew what they was doing even like before me like b people like you know what I mean and yeah like just just tons of yeah tons of yeah it's mad but yeah Pirate Radio was such a big thing basically and it's big now like you know it's in films as you said it's in McGuire Museum there's documentaries coming out about pirates and basically no one didn't know what what it was do you know what I mean but the people I also look up to was like Core FM and if I'm Hackney like they was Eastman Smurf back then Brocky I also listened in my land's bedroom and then like you know debt and stuff and it's still about now mm. like yeah just thinking about the films and TV and stuff what do you think of Corrupt FM is, it, is there accuracies there uh, I think they've I, I know them. I've, I've played out with them people um, a few times, corrupt with them. Um, but um, I think they got an idea of some people in South End. Do you, do you know about them people? Like, yeah, they, they they sort of took on some people. I don't know. They took off a station called Y2K. What was it called? The station was it Y2K? I can't remember. Um, yeah, they took off from a few people, but you know. I don't know the real story, but they've they've done quite well, haven't they? Like they've, you know, they're big now, sort of thing, and they're they're, they're actors now, aren't they? Yeah. Have you watched it? No, I ain't seen it. No. Uh, I want you to watch it so you can tell me if there's any accuracies in the. Uh, do they go on the roof and stuff and set up aerials or what were they doing? I can't remember. I've seen some of the the footage what they do. You know, like the not the actual film, the main film, but I've seen the series, some of them and. You know, they've gone on the roof and the studio gets robbed and it's funny, it's funny, it's funny. But um yeah, they're just showing the basics really, like do you know what I mean? It looks it looks good, like it's good. But no, they're good. I played out of them a few times. They've done a few things with Boiler Room and that and they're really good, like good luck to them if you know, they're doing well. Yeah. It's quite funny for you to imagine at the time like someone twenty years later making like a comedy about what Yeah, it's doing. mad, isn't it? Like it's all it's like it's in the public eye now. Like it's a major thing. Like people, you know, back then, like you, pirate radio, you go like you go might even do like six months or something like that. Like getting caught on the roof and like transmitters was like ain't illegal to to have one, but to transmit it's illegal. So you know, like if you get caught with it, do I mean they would take your records as well? They when I got raided for the Asbo thing, they took. Everything like all my computers, all the aerials, transmitters, everything. That's what it's making an example of me. Like, mm. 
Well, thank you for your service. That's cool. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, 2023, what's it looking like for you? Uh, hopefully just some festivals like for next year. Like there's there's about six things, but, you know, there's always, like, I just hope there's more festivals and, you know, like, and I wish Iron Apple was still going, but, you know, like it's still going, but, you know, like, outlook and other stuff and yeah just want to be busy really like trying to play new music for the scene that it just moves on so hopefully it just keeps moving and moving mm-hmm. and what about production yeah yeah production as well like me as if kid boiling trends garner who else there's a few other people we do stuff with um yeah just gonna you know i'll go i'll do go studio three times a week and stuff like yeah it's got to keep 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 working like never give up never stop just always be honest and just keep making bangers like you know it happens wicked well Slimzy thank you so much for speaking to me oh cool thank <laughs> thank you for listening to RA's exchange with Slimzy our full archive is available for you to take in anytime you like if you enjoyed this episode you might like to listen to our critics roundtable where RA staff share all the music picks and discuss music news. That is up on your favourite podcast platform right now. Until next time, take care. <laughs>